and thanks for listening in. Welcome to Leading Well, where we get to know leaders and how they make it happen. I'm your host, Tim Davis. And I'm his co-host, Alyssa. Let's meet our guest today, Tony Frazier. Good morning, Tony. Good morning. Yeah, so Tony, for our listeners, what is it that you currently do? I'm the director of the Salem Croc Center. It's a 95,000-square-foot facility with two swimming pools, a 30-foot rock climbing wall, a, a workout facility, gym, and meeting space that seats up to 300 people, actually. Who doesn't want that in their backyard? So, yeah, that's crazy. Right? Yeah. Cool. Well, Tony, we just usually like to dive right in. Um, what was childhood like? Where'd you grow up? Maybe where'd you go to elementary school? That type of stuff. I grew up in Brookings, Oregon, so that's where I went. My whole school career was there. Uh, Brookings is like the the sunniest spot in Oregon for most of the year, and it's right on the coast. My The beach was my playground. Mm. Uh Played down at that beach every day. That was back in the day when, when it was like be home by dark. Yeah, right. Most kids don't get to do that anymore. But, <laughs> no. Um, and so be home by dark meant for us that so we're playing down on the beach most of the day. Fortunately, yeah. mom didn't know the rocks we were climbing on and all of that. But um, it was good times growing up in that <laughs> in that area. But it was a small town, so I couldn't wait to leave it once I got old enough to sprout some wings and get out of Dodge. There you go. Yeah. So I know. Uh, we've known each other a while. I know surfing wasn't so much a thing for you because who wants to surf in freezing cold water? <laughs> <Yeah. right? laughs> Not quite south enough. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so you go to a smaller elementary school, middle school, that type of thing. Uh, yeah. What were you into in high school? Yeah. High school, I mean, had a cool car, you know, 76 Nova. Hmm. Oh, uh, there we go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, Girls getting together, having fun with yep. friends, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you got a car in high school, like, yeah, yeah you're you're cool. Yeah, yep. yep. Exactly. Did a lot of youth group stuff, you know, with the church. Went yeah. on some youth trips, things like that. Do you remember what you or your parents paid for the car back then? Fifteen hundred dollars, I think. Because it, I mean, it was old when I bought it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. Me? Or, or twenty five hundred, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I remember I paid five hundred and fifty dollars for my first car. It was a nineteen seventy two Volvo one forty two with Ooh. a big dent in the side. So <laughs> nice. you might think, oh, like your first car was a Volvo? No, this this was seventy two, and this is in the eighties. So it was already yeah. a dozen years old. But and, and I'm looking up photos of these cars because I don't know. Yeah, if they right, exactly. Right. <laughs> but like it had the unique things about it was uh, it had this gear shift that I would say looks like a semi, like really big, long oh, wow. comes on out there. You know, I'm like that always struck me. But yeah, man, that thing just ran and ran though. You know, and yeah. if you got a car in high school, you got friends and able abilities to go do stuff. You know, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Go to the drive-in. That's right. Yeah, back when there was drive-ins. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, so Tony's getting out of high school. It's, uh, man, I can't wait to fly the coop. And then what was next? Uh, let's see. I came to school at to Corbin University way back when it was called Western Baptist College. There you go. Um, graduated from there in 92 and stuck around Salem. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. So, um, then after that, you, I know you got into construction and project management stuff there, right? Yeah. For a while. Yeah. I was, uh, in college, I started working for a local builder, um, you know, the part-time job thing. Yep. And, uh, did that for two years while I was going to school. And then when I graduated, 
I thought, you know, I really, I really was appreciating the skills I was learning. And I thought to myself, I'm going to stick around until I develop this skill set enough that I can build my own house someday. Mm. And so nine years later, I thought, well, I guess it's time to go try to get some mileage out of my degree. Um, and then I started looking for for jobs with a finance degree, right? And and so I'm getting interviews to you know banks and insurance companies and things like that. And I'm I'm going to these interviews and I'm walking through these office spaces, and there's just these seas of eight by eight foot cubicles. And I'm looking at these cubicles. Now, mind you, I've been out in the field for nine years. Yeah. I'm looking at these cubicles going, how do people sit in those things for eight hours a day? I, I don't think I can do this. And, um, let's see, I think I went, uh, I, I ended up in construction project management actually, um, through a series of events and was the only construction project manager at this growing company at the time as a minority owned construction company, I was able to do all kinds of projects though, commercial projects, residential projects, um, federal type stuff on, on some of our federal spaces. Um, and just had a great time in project management, right? There's a, there's a lot going on there. I was a young 30 something, thought I had the world by the tail. I had a truck on a phone and I was doing projects from Corvallis <laughs> to Portland. And the, uh, and the phone was big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so uh, anyhow, the, the the boss and his wife didn't get along at this company. And I found myself kind of in a spot where I was, I was feeling like anxiety and stuff. Like I, I had to manage that, but I also had to get a job done. But that was just wonky. And I'm like, I don't, this isn't right. And I knew I had two young children at the time. Ultimately, we had four. Um I knew that I wanted, I had to earn a paycheck to support my family, and I knew I I wanted to do something that felt meaningful or like I was giving back somehow. And uh, so um, a friend of mine gave me an ad in the paper one day that said, wanted someone to teach at-risk youth construction trade skills, no teaching certificate required. Now, I had looked at the notion of getting my... um, Master of Arts in Teaching from One Lamet, but it was too expensive at the time, the time commitment I couldn't do. Anyway, and then also my wife and I had done up to that point um, uh, proctor care, mm. which is care of adjudicated youth. So they've committed their crime. They're coming to our home now. They've they've spent their time, whatever they had to do, coming to our home to transition back to their families. We did that for five years with girls because our children were girls. Right. Uh, and that was good times. <laughs> and uh, we we got out of that because our our kids were starting to get old enough to get perceptive about stuff. Yeah. No, right? I, we're like, mm. We don't need you getting exposure to more stuff than we need you getting yeah, exposure to. Yeah, it's probably yeah. time to get out of this work, although we enjoyed it. We had a good time over the, those years with, uh, you know, helping the kids. Anyway, sure. um, so back to this, this ad that said teaching kids construction. Well, I'm like, I, I could do that. Uh, long story short, I, I got the job, but what it meant was a 50% pay cut, right? Yeah. So I'm a big-time construction project manager. For those of you non-math majors, that's half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my wife and I had to have a serious conversation, but, uh, you know, that's what got me into nonprofit work. And it's what developed inside of me a real passion for helping these young people who who need to get on a better path, right? Especially high school age, young adult age, kind of that 16 to 24 space. Um, And I learned a lot from those kids, probably taught 
they probably taught me more than I taught them, uh, just about life and how people see life and the lenses that we look through. Uh, one of the things I enjoyed most about working with those young people, because I did that work for 10 years, frontline service, uh, was helping them shift their lens. So they look through, they look at life through a particular lens and that lens doesn't always work out well for them, you know, no. if they take some of the approaches that they're accustomed to. And part of my joy was getting them to look at life through a different lens and then watching the light come on like, oh, that worked. That's a way better way <laughs> to do it. Yeah. Oh. So that was good times. 10 yeah. years of that. Um, and then I... I uh, decided that I needed to figure out, you know, where is the the ladder in nonprofit industry? There really isn't a corporate ladder in nonprofit industry. It's it's a little shorter, maybe I guess. <laughs> it's a short ladder. It's, it's a, a step ladder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was able to come to Salem then and become the director of Habitat for Humanity here in Salem. Uh, was able to grow that organization over a few years. Got it into a good groove. I was I was loving it, and then I got headhunted to. Um, workforce development and I was kind of putting it off, putting it off, but people kept asking me, are, are you going to do this? Are you going to apply? Are you going to, and so you know how when something keeps coming at you yeah. at some point, you know, you feel like God's telling you, Hey, take a look at this. Right. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to have to strongly consider this. And so long story short, I ended up uh, running the local workforce development board here in Salem, which over, which is over four counties. Um, that was really fun because we had, you know, federal and state resources to build out programming for youth and adults and uh, had kind of two tracks that we supported with that money. I was able to grow that organization from four million when I when I got there. They were under stimulus. They were eight million. But as I walked in the door, the stimulus was cut. This was the Obama stimulus package. Mm -hmm. It was cut to, it was taken away. And so that dropped the organization to a four million as I'm walking through the door. And so Great timing. They, left, they left that on in the interview, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. <laughs> so um, uh, I was there oh, roughly four years, somewhere in that frame, and we were able to grow it back to 10, 10 million just by building out programming and going after grants to do cool stuff. And I guess I would say, too, as... As I made these changes from frontline service, because frontline service is where I grew my passion for the things I love to do today. The what was motivating to make the changes, it was hard to leave frontline service because I loved engaging with the students every day, right? What was motivating was the fact that I would have influence over more resources to affect greater positive change in mm -hmm. more young people. So yes, it moved me away from the front lines, but if I could, if I could affect resources to help kids, you know, that felt like a, a good place to be. Yeah. Right. And so as my career path progressed, I progressively got access to more resources. Yeah. And so, um, and then I, I did a stint of consulting, nonprofit consulting, and finally made it to the, the Croc Center. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're doing some cool stuff now at the Croc Center. Yeah. So, uh, so you're cooking along with Croc. Uh, you, you guys are doing some phenomenal stuff. It's been cool to watch how you've taken your passion for, you know, the youth and for resource and job development and you've incorporated that actually almost every step of the of the way you've done that right yeah and so that's pretty cool that's pretty cool what uh what, what do you got going on now maybe around that or or what are you working on that, yeah uh, you know? uh I'm, I'm only pausing because I'm wondering if I should share this yet because I had some really fun that's time okay. yesterday right. um I was able to make a, a 
presentation uh, to the Board of Commissioners and the, the 4-H Commission for funding to start our GED program yeah. at the Croc Center. GED, yep. Yep. And it looks like that's going to move forward. Yeah, that's that's oh, good. Man, I've been fighting for that for four years. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then it was funded and it wasn't. And, yeah, you know, yeah. 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 But I never give up. No, that's right. And we just keep pressing on, you know. I, I remember the, uh, you know, this year I had the same types of conversations with the commissioners and they're like, well, so what if, what if we don't move forward on this? And I said, well, this probably is not in my best interest, I said, but. I'm still going to go make it happen. Like, right, like, right. We, we desperately need the money. But if you can't, I'm still going to keep making it happen. So, yeah, yeah I can't not try to move exactly. that direction, right? Exactly. So, yeah. We And shout out to our three wonderful commissioners oh, who yeah. are amazing and serve our community. and Probably the best group we've had ever in a long time, at least. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just good common sense people trying to make and fund and resource things. That, and be that, helpful. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, let's see. Summer's coming, so you got, you know. Uh, camps are fired up already. Camps. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, it's June. Yeah. So. About 120 kids a day now in there. there. So if, if you come during that during the day, you'll feel the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> it's electric. <laughs> it's electric. Yeah. Uh, for maybe uh, senior citizens, they might not quite <laughs> articulate it that way. They but, tend uh, to come really early, like yeah. before the craziness really happens. Exactly. <laughs> come yeah. in and clear out. Yeah, it's yeah. more like electrification. Instead of the electrified yeah. thing, you know, right. it's like, yeah, you can only handle so much electricity. That's so. true. That's yeah. so true. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So but we were fortunate when I, um, when I got to the crock, I, you know, uh, I'm going into my fifth year now. So when I got there, it was in 2019, actually, I walked in and I'm like, somebody just handed me a gigantic playground. Yeah. Right. And then my brain just starts firing on, gosh, what could we do with this place? Um, and one of the things I knew was we, most of our programming at the time was children's programming, children's camps, things like that, um, which is great. Uh, but then there's that little bug inside of me, like, you know, where's my, my struggling high school kids. Right. And so, um, I just knew that we were going to find a way to create high school programming. Uh, and then COVID, blessing or curse, uh, dumped a lot of money on the table. Um, like a lot of money on the table that people <laughs> had to move quick. And w we ended up with, um, close to a million dollars to get some high school programming off the ground and that we're coming to the end of that by the end of this month, actually. Right. Uh, but it allowed us to build out a pretty robust, uh, program. So as we started, you know, we had two kids and six kids and eight kids. I'm like, don't worry. People just don't know we're doing this yet. Right. Right. Um, as of last check a few weeks ago, we were at 400 wow. uh, students on the books. That program money allowed us to, um, give the students a croc membership and feed them every night. They checked in yes. five nights a week. And so, um, so then uh, we set the bar really low initially on that. Let's just get them in the door, get them used to being here, seeing that it's a safe place to be, get mm -hmm. them reconnecting with their friends, with positive adults, and so on. And then as the program grew, we started we started adding some check boxes, right? Um, you need to engage in, you know, at least two of the things that we plan for you, in, you know, over the course of a month or whatever, um, and and trying to encourage them to start plugging into some of the workforce development kinds of things, the classes on how to do life, like get an apartment, take a shower every day, things like that, you know, the mm -hmm. basic, the basics of life. Um, and so 
we're like I said, we're coming to the end of that funding. We have applied for four other uh, state grants. Haven't heard yet. That money's supposed to start July one, but we still haven't heard if we're funded, <laughs> which is fairly typical in the state and federal system. Um, but what what we're th- planning right now in terms of a plan B is if we don't get funded, we're not going to stop. So this goes back to what you were saying. Right. We're going to figure it out. Right. You can't. You can't not do this. Right. Right. And so. Um, so we kind of started mapping out a plan. We're going to have a meeting just this afternoon again to kind of nail it down a little bit uh, and keep trucking. So um, so that's where we're at kind of right yeah. now in this space and time. And then yep. we've got the, the GED piece going. Yep. Um, the, the cool thing about that, and you guys know this as well as anybody, you know, if, if I'm at the Croc Center, which is on nobody's way to anywhere, right? right? You have to want to be there if you're coming to the Croc Center. You don't just drive by it every day. No. <laughs> um, so at the Croc Center, if I tell a kid, hey, um, go across town, uh, Chemeketa campus, find building two, go to the second floor, find Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so, and they'll help you know what to do next to get your GD. The odds of that young person actually going through all of that process and making it over there slim to none really right but if i could say go down the hall go down the (laughs) hall work on your ged for a couple hours then go shoot hoops that's a way different conversation right plus we're still there they're still we're still in proximity we can still you know check on that encourage that and so forth and so yeah i was able to share some of that stuff yesterday and it it looks like we're going to move forward on that piece huge huge chemeketa was there a great partner they they um came in really strong with some support and some of the hard questions that were asked yesterday by the commissioners which i did not have the answers to i was so thankful they were able to make it yesterday (laughs) in support of this and um and they'll be providing the teaching staff as well uh, right. for the project. So, yeah. It's awesome. When you were saying the list of instructions, like leave here, take the bus, go to this place, I was thinking there's this, the chances of them getting all the way to Schmecken and doing that is slim, but then the t- chances of them walking like 20 feet away and still remembering what you said. Like, there's a, like that's how I was. I was like, I need it in writing. I need that's, it like tattooed on my body. And then yeah, <laughs> maybe yeah. I'll look at my arm and I'll remember to go do totally. that. Totally. And so, yeah. what's well, funny yesterday when I said that at the, at the presentation, Commissioner Cameron says, I couldn't even do yeah, exactly. that. <laughs> like, I couldn't repeat it back to you right now. Right. I was like, right. right. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Gosh. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then there's what, 60 buildings out there? I forget how many. Uh, yeah. Lot. yeah. Lots. And yeah. they're all the exact same bricks. Yep. Yep. I was so. getting nervous when I have to go to a meeting over there, man. I'm looking at the maps. I'm making sure I know where to what's parking now lot, early. Yeah. Which parking lot to park in. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's so funny. Um, let's see. How about like uh, music? You listen to music? If so, what genres? Um, 80s music. I'm. The greatest yeah. decade. Of yeah. Music. yeah. I, even my kids listen to it. They know the words to the songs. I probably force fed it to them for a while. But <laughs> but here's yeah. something interesting, though. Um, they, today, my, my kids, when we talk about music and things, they say that the lyrics of the 80s music had more meaning. Like they told stories, right? Oh, Today's yeah. kind of one themed kind of stuff and a repetitive beat. Oh, and yeah, it, yeah. Like the old school music actually talked about life in the, Interesting. in the songs and the lyrics, you know? Anyway, they pointed that out. I didn't have to. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I think of like the same thing with rap music. It's associ- it's rhyming and associating topics all the time. It's like, so it's a lot of the repetitive stuff because they are doing different topics along this. They have to track it all together. Right. And that's in, in uh, Carol King's induction of the Hall of Fame 
again, I think. And the second time she had like Taylor Swift open for her and Carol King mentioned how like Taylor Swift's lyrics, like she has very little um, like cultural references in it. Like it's like current like topics Yeah, because it, it's going to transcend time a lot better because she doesn't ever make references to like what's popular right now or like specific brands specific things mm. and so it's kind of like what you're saying it's more yeah. storytelling and less like yeah. same one theme things yeah and somebody sent me a video that explains why a lot of today's music sounds very similar uh, across artists right the beat and the tempo and all that and um it's a marketing thing oh yeah and they've just reduced kind of this band of what sells yeah. and so they've taken out a lot of the creativity that artists of old had when they would write their music and, and stuff you know i mean you you look at like queen right. and sometimes i didn't even know i was listening to a queen song because it's like there was no <laughs> queen theme really mm-hmm. you know right i mean today i know it recognized yeah. queen song yeah. but but they had guys such a variety juilliard and so they were like you yeah. Know, yeah talented highly educated yeah. musicians yeah. and they've even done the science down to the sound waves into yep. a certain and so that's i mean this video is i don't know 30 minutes long but it's like, it totally makes sense. That's why just about everything today here on the radio sounds very <laughs> yep. similar. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So uh, what would you say is the biggest surprise to you in leading or working in the nonprofit world? Like compared to maybe bo- or looking sure. back, like what you thought it would be. Yeah. What, yeah. Uh, the bureaucracy in mm. nonprofit and typically larger organizations, which I'm in now, of course, sure. um, is quite surprising. Um, and yeah, I have to learn how to, you know, work with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Salvation Army has been around for 150 years, so um, they're notably bureaucratic and, and admittedly bureaucratic. Um, but I, I've adjusted, right? And yeah. just kind of going through, um, I guess the other thing would be politics. Right. There's politics and everything, nonprofits yeah. included, mm. in terms of how they collaborate and engage and, and all of that. Yeah. Um, surprising in a like, huh, never would have thought of that, but not in a intimidating way. Right. It's more like, okay, I've got to figure out how to work with this animal now. Right. Right. Uh, and so part of the joy of growing as a leader through those contexts was figuring out how to work with things like politics and bureaucracy and so forth. Right. Yeah. Uh, workforce development, um, that was bureaucratic because it was state and federal stuff. Sure. Right. That's where I really dove into the deep end and in bureaucracy right. and, and kind of seeing the pace of things. Right. So then I work with the business community and they like things to move fast and they yes. can make decisions and go. Yep. And then you try to mesh, you know, federal state resources with business community. And then there's more committee meetings, two and, different languages yeah. going on mm-hmm. here. Right. So, so part of the excitement there was learning how to help cross communicate that that yeah. stuff and help people kind of work through the challenges of the pace of state and federal movement. And, yeah. You know, uh, so that was, that was good learning curve there. That's good. That's yeah. good, man. So here we are and we're already out of time. Yeah. yeah. If there's like, if there's one last thought you wanted to share before we came to a close here, Tony, what would that be? I think, um, in respect to young leaders mm-hmm. or Young people who may be hearing this and wondering, you know, am I am I ever going to be a leader? Um, I didn't I didn't want to be a leader early on, mm. and I kept gravitating to leadership roles, and I couldn't figure out why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a leader, right? right. So it's like yeah. volunteer things in church, and yeah. uh, and you just keep ending up in these in these leader. And I'm so finally one day, I kind of woke up, you know, had a heart to heart with God, and I'm like, if I'm gonna 
If I'm going to be a leader, if I keep doing this pattern that's happening, I better learn how to do it well. Mm. And so I had a mentor back then that's, I wasn't a reader. He basically mm-hmm. told me to get over myself and start, start reading. reading. <laughs> mm-hmm. So then I'm like, well, what do I read? And so once I kind of realized that leadership piece, I, I grabbed every book I could find on leadership. I got bookcases full of them. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that, that started me down a path and a journey of now what kind of leader do I want to be? Now, I've worked for some not so good leaders over time. Mm-hmm. I know I don't want to be that. Right. But that's a very much a learning part of the learning curve. Right. Yeah. Um, and so today what that's developed in me is um, kind of a leadership philosophy of uh, find and develop good people, give them the tools they need to do their job well, remove barriers for them and stay out of their way. There you go. So that's how I roll as a leader, right? That's great advice. As a young person, you can get there, find people who can positively impact your life. If you want to go to the next step as a young person, find someone in your life who's willing to take you to the next step. And then you might outgrow them, and then you find someone else. And you keep repeating that pattern, but you have to start somewhere, Yeah, and you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And if you're listening, if you're a parent of a kid who you think still has another couple upgrades in him, whatever, you can you can reach out to Tony at the Croc Center. Absolutely. You can reach out to us at Valor, and we could uh, have conversations and be a, a conduit to point maybe in the right direction. I like that networker position you talked about earlier, right? It's like find the, the spot for them. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Tony, thank you so much for joining us. As thank well you. as listeners, thank you for being here either on the radio or on your phone. Um, if you'd like to hear more about what we do, you can go to our website. Like you said, in contact Tony with the Croc Center, and you can listen to our podcast radio show air every Saturday on KSLM at 11 a.m., or you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening to Leading Well by Valor Mentoring.